please welcome to the stage the director of Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lonergan. And it stars Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams. How are we all? I'm fine. I don't know how they are. <laughs> good? Great. Good? Yes. Okay, let's do this. One of the quirks of films, I suppose, is, is that, Kenneth, although you're writing Manchester by the Sea, you're not actually planning to direct it from the start. And also, Casey, you're not planning to star in this movie. I was planning. They weren't planning to have me. <laughs> okay, there was, yeah. okay, so it was a plan, but it yeah. wasn't your plan. So tell us a little bit about how this all happened. Well, my plan was to work with Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> that's, still my, that's still my plan. <laughs> it's a good plan. It's yeah. a sound plan. Uh, thank you. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Matt, Matt and John Krasinski came to me with this, the idea for the film, and then Matt was going to direct it, and John was going to be in it, and then everyone's schedules changed. And that would have been a disaster. <laughs> there is something about that idea for the film that seems like this kind of idea of a perf perfect version of the movie <laughs> that, that I'll just never reach now. <laughs> However, uh, in the end, it, I ended up directing it, and we ended up with Casey which I was very happy about. Happy accidents. And of course, there was no question about Michelle from the beginning. Okay, I think I sense there is, there is more, to be, more to be discussed here. That very specific world we saw, kind of the working class New England, is that a world that you were familiar with before you started working, or did you have to acquaint yourself with it? Um, a bit of both, more, more having to acquaint myself with it. I, I knew the area somewhat. I'd been there a few times, um, but when I was writing the film, I did a certain amount of research, and then when we scouted the film and were in pre-production and then shooting the film, I, I learned quite a bit more about it. So it was, it was a world I had to, it, it's not my world, but it's a world I had to learn about. I was happy to learn about. Michelle and Casey, I've got the same question for both of you, actually, which is how quickly you decided to become involved with this project once you saw the script, because obviously the writing, a lot of the writing is phenomenal, but at the same time, it's gonna be emotionally grueling. I imagine there are easier jobs out there that you could have taken. We were actually going to make one. Remember that easy job yes. we were going to do together? That's right. Yeah. Were you? Thank yeah. God. Something where we made money and we had, oh, I mean, it was like, <laughs> like a tropical location even. I think it was like in a rainforest. Or yeah. <laughs> That's how good this script was. Yeah, there true. was money in a, tro a rainforest and Kenny said, go to Massachusetts in the winter and, and said, suffer with me. And we said, hell yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So how much suffering was there? I mean, in terms of preparation, what did you need to do, and quite how, how cold did it get up there for you? Uh, it wasn't too cold. It was cold, I don't know, because I, had, I bought this wonderful winter coat <laughs> that is featured in the movie, because uh, it was such a great purchase. And I was not cold at all, because I was, I was, no, I was actually quite nervous about the idea of shooting 14 hours in the freezing cold. Uh, I'm not a rugged individual, and I, and I wanted to be comfortable, so I bought this coat which was quite expensive and worth every penny. So I was very happy in the cold and everyone else was freezing. I was going to say, cause di but directors are always nice and snug because you're standing and you get to wear the nice coat. No, 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 you're out there battling the elements with everybody else. That's why you have to get the coat. Are you sure about this? Um, no, I've only I, done three movies, so. <laughs> I feel I need to bring in the actor's perspective because, right? you know, you don't get the big coat, you know? Michelle? Um, the question was, was I think, I think what was it, it was, like, it was how much suffering ago. was there? Yeah, there was a little bit of suffering, yeah, how much suffering there was. Uh, well, in, in terms of the like weather and stuff, I thought actually that the, Kenny said he hadn't spent much time there, but when I read the script ages before I think I did, he did a research, there are certain lines in there that it did seem like it had, he was describing the place perfectly and also using the environment 
he'll either hate this or be embarrassed by it, but like that it was just perfectly using little little tiny bits of description about the town or the or the weather or the the water and how it's just thawing out or what the boats look like when they're packed up for the winter and things that seemed very poignant to me for some some reason and it seemed like someone who had had their whole life had been seeing these things and then wanted to put all of that experience into the screenplay uh, and it really pisses me off that he didn't really so <laughs> not very familiar with the place that he can do it that still do it that well but in fact it wasn't that cold by the time we got there uh, because it was almost springtime the suffering mostly was personal and uh, emotional emotional I think we can all pick up on that. Yeah. That's kind of apparent. In terms of building up the characters, though, I mean, I wonder how much the two of you were left to do that independently and individually, or was that a collaborative thing? Was that going on between the three of you? It was fairly collaborative, and of course, they brought so much to it on their own. I don't know, maybe you can speak to that better than I can. It feels very collaborative, and then they show up and they have so much more to, to, to offer than, than I would have ever thought of, that, that you're not quite sure how much you've actually contributed. I feel like when you have like a, you know, a pretty small part, there's a lot that, there's not a lot of time and there's not a lot of kind of action or description that um, goes on to, you know, um, make a character whole. And so I felt like there was a lot of work to do personally, like in my own time, to, um, um, to make a whole person come across with a short amount of screen time and I would kind of day trip up and like visit these guys and like see how miserable they were and <laughs> <laughs> and then just um, spend time in the area and talk to people and stalk people and um, because I felt like the more details that I could gather from the place, it's so rare that you have like an actual place and an actual time period that you can um, investigate and then draw upon. Like it's just usually you're sort of having to do like a kind of like secondhand approach. You know, you're like reading a book or you're like watching a movie, but to actually have this like environment like alive in front of us, I thought was just like such an incredible opportunity. So I spent a lot of time in that place, not working, but just kind of sleuthing. I mean, when you say sleuthing or stalking, were you going up and actually telling people that you're working on a film and you're an actress and getting, getting on terms with them on that level? Or was, there, was it a bit more sort of... It was both. Like, some people I would say, like, I'm an actress of working on a movie, like, not a creep. But some people I would just, like, stop them on the street and say, Can you t where did you get your hair done? Like, I need... To, you look fantastic, and I need to know, like, where you got your color done. And with those earrings, like, where did they come from? You have one, two, three piercings. Interesting. And on that side, you have two piercings. Great. Thank you. Um, and the, the, it's, it's those, I would take pictures or be like in line behind people at the Rite Aid and I'd bring out my phone, like the thing that people sometimes do to me and I'm like, you bastard. And like, then I would be doing it to someone like, does this look natural? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, because there were so many, it's a very specific, like the women that I met there and the women that I interacted with and the women that I observed, very particular to that place. There was a kind of like an energy and a verbal combativeness and a kind of like one of the guys thing that I saw everywhere. It was really prevalent. So that became important to me, useful to me. I wanted to ask you both about accents as well, because from a British perspective, it sometimes feels like, I mean, a New England accent is a New England accent, but I've heard actors in the past talk about New England accents with some kind of terror, because actually it's one of those things where if you get it five miles out, like the whole thing's sunk. So I mean, how much, because yeah. I'm assuming, Casey, even for you, you know, I mean, Boston is a different place. To Manchester, so you're going to have to work on the accent as well. 
I did have to work on the accent, but mostly I, I, it was Kenny's just urging me to do more, to do it more. I didn't want to for some reason. I was, I was reluctant to do it. I have a whole bunch of reasons why, but I think it was just um, the real reason I don't really know quite yet. But I, I, was, I kind of thought like, oh, they'll all be inconsistent. There'll be too many accents. I've seen accents, Boston accents in movies. I thought they were bad. I thought the, the character, I had all these reasons why I didn't want to do it. And I, and I fought with Kenny and he fought back and then he, and he won as usual. And then uh, you did a good accent. <laughs> The people are very particular about it, though. You know, when you go to these, like, there's these sort of towns that they, they abut each other, and they're, but they're, they really have very separate personalities, and the people are very insistent upon the separate personalities. So they were like, don't, whatever you do, like, don't make it sound like Gloucester, which is, you know, two miles away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I've heard about the rivalry between Gloucester and Manchester, even, yeah. even over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get the wrong side of that. No, no. You were, am I right in thinking that before you were shooting, you were rehearsing for, quite a chunk of time, and obviously that's very, very rare, because you don't really schedules, you know, actors turn up on the day they shoot, and then they leave again. Yeah, it's hard to organize with the, it's the scheduling, mostly everybody's very eager to rehearse if they can show up. Um, I come from a theater background, so I really like to rehearse, and it, I think it's helpful getting everyone on the same page and understanding, for instance, in the second, you know, the scene where they meet on, to, uh, on, the, on the hill there um, with the baby carriage, it, it, you know, they have, everybody has to understand how much they've spoken to each other over the past five years, what, was, what happened in the immediate aftermath of the fire, and all the details that both the characters would know. And so it's not so much a question of setting the scene in stone and then repeating that as, as coming to an understanding of what the shared history is that, that the two people would actually have in common um, in many cases. And also discussing different ideas. I know I have at least one version of the scene in my mind that works that I have to offer as a starting place. And uh, then from those, when you try to all get oriented on, that, on those bases, then, uh, then you have a, a nice place to start from. I mean, there's this incredible rawness and candor to the film. And I wonder, was the set a kind of raw and candid place as well? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, how, I mean, you kind of keep playing around the idea that there were frank exchanges of opinion. Oh. I, mean, I wonder how much of that stuff went on. Um, you know, Casey and I have a very uh, blunt interaction, which is the only way to really communicate with certain people. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, no, we, we, we found, we, we found, we, well, after two or three weeks, the editor who was getting the footage and reviewing it and sending in notes said to me, so sent in a note saying, is something wrong between Kenny and Casey? Because he's all, they're always yelling at each other. And there was nothing wrong. We were getting along great. We just both liked to yell. Uh, Michelle and I didn't yell at each other, but we had an equally uh, productive communication, I, I thought. And no, I don't think it was particularly raw. They're very professional people. and. Everyone's there to do the same job. Um, you know, when you're working 12, 14, 16 hours, you get tired and wrung out. But that's not, that's usually to do with the crew and the, and the, and the schedule and the available money, et cetera, and not so much the actors. All, working with the actors is always the most enjoyable part for me. I, 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 should, I bit, should bring you in. That's a, a little bit of a mischaracterization. I, think. I don't think there's a lot of yelling. No, that no gives yelling. The idea oh, that no. We, I think it was a incredibly... I felt very supported by Kenny, and I think we oh, have a very long no, relationship, no, and we get really along very, very well. If you stop, this, this stop interrupting me, I'm going to stop. Yeah, no, no. 
you know, that we it, well, but also. But you can see well, I'm 16 Your nerves got a little <laughs> The thing, one thing about about Kenny is that that if you ask him about the smallest line of dialogue, is that you ask him a question about it and there's an answer for it. That he has, it's really, really uncommon. I can't tell you how rare it is where someone has written something and you say, but why did you say what? Can you just say, huh? And they go like, oh yeah, I don't care. I was just, you know, he's just saying like, what or huh? And Kenny, that's not true. He spent, as he said, three years on it and everything was really carefully thought through. And I'm not just saying this to be, to be flattering. It, when you say, if you ask him, why is it this way? He has an answer for everything. And the answer is not the end of the conversation, it's the beginning of the conversation. He'll give you an idea and then hear your idea and then have a long conversation about it if you need to have a long conversation about it. Um, that's and that's exactly very, very, really helpful for, for me. Yeah, and just the, but the kinds of questions that, 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 that you get that everybody is asking and looking at all of that together is, is really enjoyable. And when I say yelling, I mean kidding around as we are now, um, more or less. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great fun to do that and feels very productive anyway. But how close is what people have just seen now on the screen? I mean, how close is that to what was on the page? Well, the dialogue is very close, uh, uh, as close as possible. There are a couple of lines that are improvised or thrown in uh, here and there, but very, very few. Okay. I mean, it's a question for all three of you. I wonder, obviously, you know, you're going to very... There's obviously there's a close-knit and great working relationship going on, but also you're going to very difficult places psychologically. And I wonder at the end of... I guess at the end of each working day and then also at the end of the film itself, how easy it was to shake the film off. You don't, I don't think you do shake it off until it's over. Um, I don't have to be these people, so it's a bit easier for me, I think, because I can think about how it's looking, how it, what the shot's going to be like, and where to put the camera, and when to move it, and how many takes to do, and how many angles to do, and, and they're really trying to become these people that I've merely written, and these people have gone through a terrible experience, and as you see, and, and not, not all, that's not all that, that, that's happened to them, and that's not, not all they have to do, but I think it's, I mean, they can speak to this better than I can, but I think it's not easy to live in those, with, to live with those people for, for that amount of time, I don't know. Michelle? It's a weirdly really hard thing to find comfort for. Like, I remember after shooting the, the fire, I remember, um, you know, you're left with, like, holding all of these feelings but it's really hard to like go to somebody and say like my pretend kids died and my pretend house burned down like I had a really hard day you know like it's really hard you can't really say to somebody like gosh I've really been through a lot you know but on the inside you're you're sort of you're like your kind of system doesn't really know the difference you've like forced yourself to believe something and so your insides are kind of on the outside and you just kind of have to keep talking yourself down and sort of separate and say like that's that was um you feel like you went through that but you didn't go through that and um uh yeah more than anything the thing i kept returning to is like how like i could just never survive this and like what kind of a what sort of bravery it must take like who who is that person and who are those people who have survived this you know whatever I'm going through is um, just nothing in comparison at the same time I mean does it get easier the longer you're acting to kind of build up 
I don't know, like coping mechanisms and get over that stuff? Because it sounds like it did hit you quite hard, this film. I think you have to become kind of rigorous and say, like, I refuse to let one really bleed excessively into the other. Like, I refuse to let my day-to-day -day life with all of the scheduling and the planning and the, you know, the kind of mundaneness of it, like, I refuse to let that bleed into my, you know, creative life. And I refuse to let this, um, you know, induced trauma um, carry over when I'm a mom at home. Like, I think you have to get a little bit um, <clears throat> pointed about you know, making sure that you're in the right place at the right time. And Casey, how about you? Because, I mean, certainly for the first third of the film, I mean, you were incredibly shut down. I mean, on screen, I mean, you're not saying very much. Mm -hmm. you, you know, there's clearly a huge amount of stuff going on inside. Um, well, obviously, we don't shoot it, you know, in order that way. So, But, uh, yes, I guess he's he is pretty shut down, but we, he'd always talked about, you know, the things that he isn't saying and um, and the things that he's feeling and how he m manages to deal with that and how it does come out in different ways. Otherwise, it just becomes sort of flat. N nothing is happening. Um, I'm sure what the question is. It's just the same question. How yeah, do I deal I mean, with it? And again, especially, I mean, especially for you, for both of you, because obviously you're both going through the emotional mill, but I mean, you're, you know, you're in kind of almost every scene of the film. So I'm imagining that's a weight on the shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it any better than she did. I, I sort of feel the same way. You have, it sort of feels like you've gone through something. If you've done a really good job, you feel like you actually had that, spent the day having those feelings. And sometimes it makes it easier to come out of it. And it's just like, oh, thank God that's over. You sort of let yourself step out of it. And then and you feel pretty good. And you can kind of joke around a bit because you've had that, like, that's some whatever sort of catharsis or some let yourself out those feelings during the day, um, but you you're holding quite a bit of it. Uh, I'll just let Michelle answer all the questions from now on. Anecdotal little. There was one thing that happened. When we did that fire scene. Uh, there was I did have I had trouble imagining that. I think the rest of it I always felt like I'm pretty sure I can get to play that scene. I can get to the right place or I can show up and be in the right. Uh, mood, more or less, um, and but that I sort of had like I didn't have any expe experience in my own life of how to do that really, or what that would be like or feel like, and so relied on all kinds of little details that were written in there, mostly holding the grocery bag, doing things, um, and just tried to imagine it and thought about the other things that you'd had that were like that that were also felt unimaginable and surreal and too big to comprehend in the moment. And, Watched some, we watched them like, all right, we're together. I can't remember YouTube things. Thank God for YouTube. You can see like real people going through things that like, <laughs> find almost anything that you have to do. You can find a real person on somewhere out there experiencing it. And saw some people like who had just seen their family die in a fire and they were doing a news interview and you sort of watched their behavior and stuff. And um, that was helpful. But anyway, the point is going to my story I was going to tell was that after that thing, the fire night, um, the morning had come, and I had they'd taken Kenny and I back to our, where I get changed, and um, and I got out of the car, and my back, my back, I fell over on the ground because my back completely seized up, was and that I like that, night? that was that night. Oh wow! It was just me and Kenny, and most of the people had already the crew had left, and it was kind of us sitting there, and um, I think it was just holding so much of it, as they say, like a bad back can be emotional sometimes. That I didn't even realize quite how much, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. Kenny forced me to my feet and gave me some tricks for dealing with a seized up bad back. So 
kind of a pointless story about uh, what sometimes <laughs> that's a good, that's a good happens on set when you have a hard, you know, scene to play. I mean, Kenneth, I've read interviews with you in the past where you've talked about, you've talked very openly about coming to film, you know, as a playwright. But I wonder with this film in particular, there's a real visual kind of identity to it. And there's one little scene that I wanted to, to ask you about, really, which is actually the moment where Casey smashes the window. Because there's, it almost feels like just a couple of seconds and what you're doing is holding a shot of the room in Casey and, yeah. and it almost feels like nothing is happening. But you can feel a tension growing and then, of course, the window smashes. So I just wanted to ask you about that and what was the thinking behind that because it's incredibly powerful. Um, thank you. I, I just was trying to be... When I was writing it, I was just trying to be the character myself and... Uh, because it, you don't move out of your, even, even that little apartment that he lives in, you don't move out of it in, instantly. So he's made the decision to stay for a while. He doesn't want to. It's the last thing he wants to do. And he has to go all the way back to Quincy, pack up his bags. He has to get in the car. He has to pack up the boxes, put them in the car again, drive all the way back, unpack everything, and then he's in the room. And here he is after spent half the day putting himself in the last place on earth he wants to be because he feels a sense of obligation towards his nephew and towards his brother. And he's got a lot of bad feelings, and he, so he breaks the window and naturally cuts his hand open. Now, the time that I broke the window and cut my hand open was after my younger brother beat me seven games in a row at the table tennis. <laughs> so, but I always remembered that because I was standing by the window. <laughs> And he had beat, not just beaten me, but laughed at me every time he won. Can, can I ask how, old, quite, you were, how I old were you at this point? Way older than I should have been. Fine, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's funny about how your mind works and how art can work, because that was a very trivial incident, but I always remembered it. And I remembered exactly how it went, and I was just seething with, with this sort of petty, uh, competitive, fraternal rage. And I was on the radiator and I went like that, the window. I didn't mean to break it, but I did manage to slice my, my uh, this one. And I had to go to the emergency room and everything and I was quite embarrassed. Uh, I don't really know what that has to do with the movie except that I retained that and then you have someone who's filled with much more distress and angst and, and sorrow than I was and it seemed to fit. And uh, just in terms of how we shot it, I think we, it's essentially, I like to see him walking around the room sort of like an animal in a cage a bit, and I wasn't thinking that metaphorically directly, and then just the close-up. And we actually had three different angles for that scene because we shot it from the side. And we also had a neat little film gag where we had, which we didn't actually get to use because we, we cut, but we had a way to continuously show, there was a little blood-soaked rag that he had in one hand that he could put over his hand so that the blood could trickle out. But we didn't actually need to have it there because we, we as, it, as it worked out in the editing, we cut from one shot to the other. But we were ready to do it all in one. Let me ask about let me ask about one more scene before I, I throw questions open. We touched on it already, actually, which is the scene. I'm a can't, I can't imagine I'm alone in this scene having a particular power, which is the scene with you two guys at the end when you have to, you've got the pram there and you, you tell Casey's character that you love him. I mean, time stops in that scene, and I wonder when you were filming it. I mean, on a film set, does it feel like there's something? very special happening here, or is this just another scene that you've got to get done and you have to get in the can? I, I thought it was very special from the beginning. I mean, I, it, it was something we put off a few times, partly because of the scheduling, partly because I think we, we, we wanted to make sure we had enough time to shoot it well. We all knew it was an important scene. And, um, but once the cameras started rolling and they started doing it, I was just, I, I don't know, it was 
was it was wonderful. It was very emotional and very upsetting. And I mean, their performances are so great. Um, uh, and uh, amount of care they're trying to take with each other is so beautiful. And the shared burden that they're carrying is so is so heavy. Uh, I don't know. I, I remember that as being a very apart from the content of the scene as being a very easy day. It wasn't a hard scene to get, as I recall. How many takes did you do? Six or seven. We had two cameras, maybe five. I'm not sure. Uh, but it was really a question of, they were just spoiled by choice in the editing. It was just which, which, which wonderful performance to use. It was the only difficulty, as far from my point of view, anyway. I mean, yeah, for the two of you in front of the camera. I mean, because that scene does. I mean, it has, there is something fairly extraordinary going on there. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I do know I would, I would show up, I would take the train from New York to Boston, check into my like, little rented room, and then I would get, you know, get ready to go to work and like, take a shower and like, have my script pages and stuff, and I'd be like, standing on the curb waiting for the van to pick me up and be like, it's late, that's really weird. And then I'd call somebody and say, like, I'm standing outside, I'm ready to go to work, and they would say, oh yeah, we're not going to shoot that today. And I was like, okay, and they're like, you can go home. And that scene, that happened like a few times with that scene. It kept getting... That was not my fault, personally, I want to say. I was not in charge of the scheduling. I, it kept getting... I was told you were warned well, well in advance. <laughs> it kept getting pushed off, but it's sort of like a, like a stay of execution or something. That scene, there was a lot of kind of like anticipation and dread approaching that scene because it's beautifully written, it's perfectly written, and it's... There, like, it's emotionally, there's a lot going on, and there was like a very verbal scene. There was like a lot to memorize, but and a lot of like very technical sort of overla overlapping dialogue. But then you have to make it feel like you haven't put any time into memorizing it, um, and it kept getting sort of extended. And every day, I'd be like, oh, thank God! Like, I'm so happy that I don't have to do that today, and that I get like more time. And then the day came, and I realized like it wasn't raining frogs, and. Um, uh, uh, they, were, they were actually going to say, you know, call action at some point. And I just remember the kind of anticipatory feeling of like putting on my costume and putting on my makeup and waiting in for them to come yeah. get me because it, I don't know, it just felt like it, it, there was a lot, of, um, a lot of responsibility. There was a lot of responsibility. It was very technical. Kenny sometimes writes overlapping dialogue and he's very specific about how it should be and it's usually it's always for a good reason, and it works better when it's done that way, and so we had to sort of learn it that way. Um, and then, as she says, also then, you're trying, you don't want to be thinking, oh, am I overlapping at this line or that line? So you just learn it, and then you do it, and uh, there was a certain amount of dread about the scene, and that, um, but I think that whether it was by design, brilliantly, by... Kenny says he wasn't responsible. Maybe it was the line producer very brilliantly knew <laughs> that we should keep putting it off. It helped when the scene did come. It made it feel like just sort of like that. it helped imbue it with the same feeling that it ought to have of, oh, God, I knew I might run into her at some point or something. And then here it was suddenly happening. And you had to suddenly go through with the scene. Um, and um, we didn't do it that many times. And then... And then we went home. But that, just to be clear, that, that kind of that scheduling issue, which sounds like a very happy accident. I mean, that was a complete accident. Well, it wasn't a directorial no, master. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a manipulative 
ploy on my part, but uh, first the scene was already was always scheduled to happen late in the shoot because we I knew it was an important scene and I knew that we wanted to make I wanted everyone to be comfortable with the story and have lived with the characters, including myself, for a while. It's not the kind of scene you want to do the first day or the first week even. And then it was put off, I don't remember exactly, I think it was only put off twice, possibly three times, but one time it was put off because Casey, we had been up very late the night before and, we, and on the schedule were two big scenes and this was one of them and Casey very wisely pointed out that that was stupid and that we should, and, and so I, very late at night, uh, wrote to the producers and, and the line producer in the first AD and suggested that we move the, the scene with Michelle push it to a later day so that we wouldn't have the burden of having to shoot two difficult scenes in one day, especially this scene, which was so important. So it was, uh, it's just a question of making sure you give enough time to the important scenes and that you are, are ready to shoot them. You don't wanna have to rush something that, that matters that much. When I first read the script, I remember that scene was very moving. And then um, thinking about it now, it is sort of even still, and then in watching the movie, it is too. It sort of oddly had the same effect. It was very consistent. And I don't know why. It's two people trying to be nice to one another, right? And, uh, or something and other things. And, um, and that's all, kind of. And there's not a whole lot said, you know, it's, but it, it's heartbreaking. And, um, and it creeps up on you, like, it, like so much of what Kenny's plays and other things, there you are laughing along, following the story, and then suddenly you're sobbing, and it's, um, you didn't see it coming, you know? So it's, uh, it, it was, uh, it's, a, it's a mystery to me how, how it, why it works so well. I'm aware that I've monopolized the conversation, so I want to stop doing that, because I'll endeavor to get around to everyone. On the subject of uh, dialogue and the uh, specificity with which it was written, it seems that uh, a lot of the power of Casey's performance also inheres in the pauses. There's a sort of normal reciprocity to dialogue, which he very often breaks. People are waiting for him to respond and emote with something. And so I'm really just curious, when you wrote the script, did you have those pauses in <coughs> mind at that length and specificity? And was that ever something that you discussed? <coughs> we, we did discuss it quite a lot. I don't. I can't imagine that I had Casey's personal rhythm in mind when I wrote the script, or, or anybody's, but my own, my own imaginary Lee Chandler. But um, it's come up a lot that he, how quiet he is, and, and, sh and the term shutdown comes up a lot, and I never thought of him that way. I, and I, th I thought of him, and we together found him, and Casey brought to it this continual effort to keep everyone at bay, and to keep this crushing emotional burden at bay so that he can get through his day without collapsing or committing suicide, not to be too bleak about it, but he's, he's carrying something that no one should ever have to carry. And it's a very active process of how he deals with people, um, all different kinds of people, and where he's relatively comfortable and where he's uncomfortable, and how he handles every interaction that he has. And he's a very controlled existence. We discussed all sorts of things that were very interesting. He's much, his, his appearance and his, he, in the present, part of the movie, he's neat. He always has his hair brushed. He, you, you feel that the apartment's always neat and clean and, and he's looking for things to do so that he doesn't have to think about anything. So to me, it's a very active, he's, he's, he's always doing something. And, but the result, and you can speak to this better than I can, is that his, he has strange interactions with, with people because he doesn't talk to them the way a normal person does. He, he's very comfortable 
throwing the ball back to the next person and not saying any more because he's answered the question. And uh, this is thing that he embodies beautifully and does beautifully. But you see how very different it is when he's talking to his nephew from when he's talking to one of the tenants or when he's talking to one of the doctors. Um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. But and that, that's not my work. That's, that's Casey's work with, with a little, you know, some suggestions and thoughts from me. Uh, I guess the, the, the question of what, like the, how the, where the pauses were written in there, I found that the, that the writing had a rhythm that was like once you found it, it really started to work and that it was very consistent. So it was definitely there for me. And then, but you know, what you're doing and some of those sort of what you're feeling is the, I guess the thing that's happening in the pauses. And, uh, but as you know, and you cut a movie, those, you can cut it here or cut it there and the pause suddenly changes. So um, it's made, a movie's made by so many people and, um, uh, and you'd think a whole different thing if they had cut in a different place. But there was, it had to be filled with so, something, like basically our job was to show up there. The writing's so good and everyone sort of knew, Kenny knew what he wanted. There's a certain amount of structure there that you could rely on and you just have to show up and be able to have the appropriate feeling or just define the appropriate feeling and attitude. And then that's kind of the thing that colors some of the pauses. That's what Kenny was talking about, is like, what is his attitude to whether he's shut down or not? Yeah, I thought that he was, he's, uh, he doesn't want to address those things. Kenny sort of already said it. He doesn't want to address those things. But we had some conversation about when he would let himself crack a little bit, like when he sees his brother or when he may be talking to his nephew in a few moments, when he does direct, um, uh, he does address some of those feelings, like with, with Lucas, he says, I can't beat it or whatever. And, and uh and in those moments, I guess there's little tiny, little tiny cracks. But by and large, it feels like it's just going the whole dam will come apart if he lets the wall down a little bit. And how much did we want? Did Kenny want to have the air let out of the balloon? You know, if it's just always sort of sniffling and and feeling all sad for himself, it, it might have lost a lot of its weight. Hi, um, I'd just like to ask a bit more about the music in the film. Um, I'd say on the whole it's quite a quiet film, but obviously you've got these kind of big emotional moments where the music, I thought, worked really beautifully. Um, can you tell me, does music play a big part in the way you kind of form a scene and the way you direct the film? No, it, I really like working with music, but it, it happens afterwards, especially for this, of all the immense number of films that I've made, all three of them. Um, for this one, the music, the, the ideas for the music came quite late, and it was just a trial and error, and then finding what felt right. And what felt right was the sort of lyrical, beautiful music going on top of all this difficulty and struggle, and 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 really people not just suffering, but trying to trying to help each other through the suffering and and try to be there for each other despite the the the, the what in the crises that they have to endure. Um, I was just saying one thing, just because we've been talking about it, uh, just to go back to the previous question for a second. It's for me, and I think for the actors, it's all—it's not so much the words. It's the—I mean, the words are can help you. There's there there are clues and hints, but the, it's always about the behavior. And talking about filling pauses, one of my very favorite moments in the movie is when Michelle starts the conversation on, uh, when they run into each other, and she, after the friend has left. And she says, I don't have anything big to say. And he says, that's OK. And she, when she has, turns her head to the wall, I don't know if you remember, she looks away from him for a very, very long time before she says, uh, before she embarks in this very difficult discussion. And she didn't plan that. And we didn't discuss it. I didn't say, all I think we said was, this is a very hard conversation to start. 
and I'm not sure you know how to start it, or you might have said it to me. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. We're all sort of being these people together. And so to me, that's just one of those beautiful moments. It's a, the pause is filled with feeling and for both of them. He's very kindly waiting. He doesn't want to talk to her because it's too much rim. And she has this huge gulf she's trying to cross with him and trying to bring him across. And it's very difficult to get started. So I find those moments very moving and interesting. And I'm always thinking about that when I'm writing it. And that's what they're thinking about, I think, when they're performing. And hopefully the words help you get to, the, to that instead of getting in the way. And I just wanted to just getting back to your question, that pauses. Good film. Uh, we're all a mixture just of uh, <laughs> we're, we're all a mixture of memories in the present, and um, the way that you mixed in the memories with the present made it possible to imagine what it was like to be those people. Uh, and I'm just wondering, did you experiment with that, or was this? Did you follow the script, or did you discover? different ways to cut it together and, and suggest that whole life experience of, of the mixture of memory and the present, which you captured so well. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, I mostly stuck with it, and the editing is pretty close to the st structure in the script. The scene where the, with the flashback to the fire and the aftermath in the police station was uh, more or less as it appears in the script, except the specifics of where we cut away and cut back to the lawyer's office was something we found in the editing room with the help of that piece of music, as a matter of fact, because um, that was a hard, that was very hard to edit uh, to try to give it its due. But for the most part, that was how it was written. Uh, it was very interesting, and you were saying, talking about, Michelle was talking about creating the character of Randy, and um, there was a moment when you're, after shouting at everybody to get out of the house, and you go back and they laugh at, with each other, and that's a very special thing, and it made, I think that was the point where you understand who she is, for sure, and was that in the script, or was that something you developed of your own? I remember Kenny saying to me, like, I think that real love is when you can make fun of each other and like really tease each other so badly. And I think that's like ultimate love. I was like, wow, how romantic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a lucky <laughs> wife you have. Yeah. You just like yeah, well. poke her all day and make fun of her. Yeah, I can't do that with her, so. That's why I torture Casey. <laughs> but I thought about that a lot, you know, that, that, that um, it doesn't, it's not like a, they don't have some sort of like fairy tale relationship that then comes crashing down when tragedy strikes. But what they have is so, like they live on the surface. You know, like there's nothing, there's nothing that they're thinking that they're not saying. They don't have like buried, um, they don't have resentment, they don't seem to have like buried resentments and grudges and things that have like, you know, built up over time because they can, they can yell at each other and then they can laugh at each other. They can be sick, they can have sex. They can like, everything is like really like fluid and on the surface and that, that I think that hopefully that's why it's, you know, they can't be together, not because they don't love each other. They love each other very much and they loved each other very much and hopefully that's what's like, you know, another tragedy. Let me ask one final question, which is you make the film and then the film comes out and it premieres at the Sundance Film Festival and it kind of almost immediately becomes this huge sensation and it obviously connects with people very deeply. 
Being completely honest among friends, I mean, did you know what you had with the film, or has it surprised you quite how much of a connection the film has made with people? I liked it a lot. I, 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 I thought they were great. I no idea how anyone was going to react to it. I, I screened it a few times in New York while we were editing it, and uh, you just don't know how it's going to, anything's going to go over, and I don't really like to think about that part too much uh, in, in, uh, in advance. Um, it's not helpful to me. Um, so I'm very happy that people respond to it. I'm happy about the people who do respond to it. I don't hear a lot from the people who don't respond to it. <laughs> um, most people are, 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 are polite, so you never know. But you can, I can see that it, it, it connects with some people, and it's wonderful. That's why you do it. I mean, that's, that's largely why, why, you're, why you're doing it, I and, think. And for you too, because obviously for, from an actor's point of view, shoot and then it goes off into editing, and then at some point later on you see the film. So there's even more of a kind of distance. So have you been pleasantly surprised by people's response? Hugely, you know, I mean, something that I've been, it's, it's, you, it's very hard to tell while you're making something, you know, the, the thing that we had to start with, which was the script, was like a thing of like perfect beauty, it really was, it was so complete, but uh, that doesn't always like guarantee that things are going to be good, and you really work as hard on a bad movie as you do on a good movie, and you care as much about it, and you want it to be as good, and it sometimes it just doesn't turn out, so it's always kind of a... But you know, if you've seen Kenny's first two films, there's nothing like them. So they're really spectacular. So it had a good shot, but it always does really come as a surprise, especially when you make something that's this small. M most often, these movies like don't even really get seen, let alone like become you know beloved. Yeah, I mean, Casey, final question for you. I mean, how weird is that? Because it is it is a small movie in that sense, and suddenly now already it's. It immediately becomes part of a conversation about Oscars and you know so on and so forth. So is that strange? Small movie, big actors. <laughs> uh, no, um, I, I think that uh, it's very hard for me to be objective about anything that I, I do. I, I tend to have a very distorted view of, of the thing when it's finished and. It takes a lot of distance to see it as a complete thing and not some Frankenstein cobbled together like artificial thing and or to just see yourself. I'm just, you know, I don't like that like everyone else. So um, I don't like to watch them. But it was, it, I knew when we were doing it that it was going to be a very special process. That it was like would be that it was one of the most one of the best experiences just because of the conversations you're having with Kenny and because you're feeling sort of pushed and challenged and you feel yourself sort of doing the kind of heavy lifting you hope you get a when you start acting you hope you'll ever get a chance to do and and you're always being made a little bit better by other people's ideas or the way that they're playing some line so it was special in that way but what it ends up being is impossible to tell because I can't really decide for myself and because I don't trust anybody else so it takes <laughs> a good decade to see it and go like, that was all right, actually, it turned out. <laughs> it, was, it was all right, actually. Yeah. We can say that. We will have to leave it there, because otherwise it will be Monday morning. Please join me in thanking Casey Affleck, Joe Williams, and Kenneth Lonergan.